Coming to you live from the Badlands of Texas, 360 degrees all the way around the world into the earbuds in your ears, all the way from Southern Australia to Northern Ireland. By golly, gumdrops, you are listening or you're watching Midnight Radio. I'm your host, Gerald Schmemans. Hello, friends. Oh, my gosh. I'm looking at the calendar right now, and it happens to be Friday. Some call it Fruit Loop Friday. I call it a hell of a good time. Hello, friends. How are you doing? Where have I been? I'll tell you what. I'm feeling fantastic today, in case you're wondering. And even if you're not, I'm just going to throw that information out there to you. Do with it as you will. Beverage of choice, Pellegrino from the wonderful Mineral Mines of Italy. By Mineral Mines, I mean salt. It also counts as a mineral. We're going to talk about the Idaho 4 case. There's a lot of new things out. Also, I have that paperwork. So we're going to go over that together. We're also going to talk about Ruby Frank. I have a caller that's going to update us on the Canton 9 slash Aiden Kearney case that's going on, which is paralleling the Karen Reed case. And... um I'll tell you what I think about that right now. After I talk about our producers, I want to thank Lady Lisa. Thank you very much. She's our executive producer. And if it wasn't for her, there would be no Midnight Radio. So I want to thank you as I fix my chair. Oh, whoa, that's right. Here we are. Hello, everybody. If it wasn't for her, there would be no Midnight Radio. Thank her very much. i also like to thank an old friend of mine. She's been here since last Christmas. It's been 360 something days with her april gay thank you very much producer april gay if you'd like to be an executive producer anything twenty dollars or more makes you an executive producer anything under twenty dollars makes you a producer every dollar that goes to the show goes into what our music license fees for our radio station you can check us out on iHeartRadio. you can check us out on tune in our website midnightrad.io and that's right we are continuing the radio station for another year so if you'd like to help us continue that you're a fan of the radio station if you haven't checked it out i was listening to it right before i went live and i'm telling you it is amazing right there in the about part of this video you can check out that link that will take you there and also in the play store you can get the midnight radio app free so you get alerts from us you know when we're going to go live you know when the shows are going to go live uh, as far as the radio personalities go we have Lady Electra is still with us with her fine show, Electra Lady Land. And also, we'll be looking for some new radio producers. So, if you've ever dreamed of being a radio DJ, we will train you how. And we also have equipment available after your training period. And we will give you a place on the radio station. All you have to do is you have to be able to follow directions. You know, you have to get your show in on time. It has to be a certain quality, things like that, and you have to want to do it. Those are the qualifications, following directions, and you have to want to do it. If you have that, then we will work with you, and you will be a radio DJ. Let's start with the Idaho 4 case. And Hot Ham will also be back probably next summer when she is available Love her show, miss her show so much. Hello, Hot Ham Radio. First one back. 
I'm out shopping, but I'll be in chat a bit. Awesome. She got first, first in the chat room. All right. Let's talk about this Idaho 4 case. Here, let me wet my whistle here with my Pellegrino. I'm feeling fantastic now, guys. You know, I broke my ribs. I had COVID. Let's see, what other maladies did I have? I'm 100% right now, 100%. I'd like to say hello to our people on Spotify. Let's kick this off, all right? Let us kick this off. Here we go. I'm going to go to the top, work my way to the things that are new, work our way, shall shall we? I've got a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of crazy stuff we're going to go over today. We'll start with this. Judge denies second attempt to dismiss case against suspect in Idaho student killings. Before we go into this, I want to say one thing. All of you, I don't have many harsh opinions but i have one any of you that think enon harsh was any part of the idaho for killings is a complete and utter moron complete and utter moron not one shred of evidence you pulled any evidence you had right from your jolly round keister and uh it's disgusting actually and there's no way anybody who thinks that Enon Harsh was a part of it, is, it's not going to hold up in the future. There's no evidence. There's nothing from law enforcement about it. There's not one search warrant, not even a possible suspect. And uh, that's how I feel about it. All right, so a judge denied a second motion to dismiss a case about Brian Kohlberger. Some people like to think where there's smoke, there's fire, but I'll continue. The man accused of fatally stabbing... Four University of Idaho students last year. Court records show that John Judge... Hold on. Judge John Judge ruled against Kohlberger's team to dismiss the grand jury indictment in the quadruple murder case. Kohlberger is accused of killing Maddie Mogan, 21, Kayla Gonsalves, 21, Ethan Chapin, 20, and Zana Kernodal, 20. The four students were found dead in an off-campus house in Moscow, Idaho, in November 2022 and all of our lives changed after that i remember where i was when i heard it i was here i talked to you about it the morning after and it's been about it's just a little over a year because that happened in november 13th 14th and here we are in december but i remember this time of year vividly and it'll never be the same after that and i mean that this dismissal request centered on the defense's claim of a biased jury and concerns over evidence the defense argued during an october hearing that prosecutors failed to comply fully with the title two of the idaho code due to jury selection and jury questionnaire issues Uh, some of those specific issues we've gone over before specifically there was uh, one person on the question that said they do you speak english they put no and uh, several of the other questions you had to speak english to be able to answer and they answered those just fine and they served with no issues that was one of the issues and uh i believe the prosecution su- successfully argued with uh the case on that one 
And uh, continuing here. The judge previously denied a motion to dismiss in October based on claims of inaccurate instructions to the grand jury. Now, that was based on uh, them saying they wanted them to say that he could only be indicted if it was beyond a reasonable doubt, right? And they're like, no, it is his ability to have done this based on the information that they had, so. That's what the judge previously denied. Now he denied this based, uh, this second move motion to dismiss based on that, on, you know, the forms. Not guilty pleas to four counts of first degree murder were entered on his behalf at a May hearing. A trial date has not yet been set. There's a lot of us that think that what he's going to do is wait till the last minute and plead guilty so he doesn't get the death penalty. But we'll see. And, of course, pleading guilty isn't just pleading guilty. They're like, okay, you plead guilty, and you tell us what you did, how you did, when you did it, where the murder weapon is, or we're going to fry your ass. Sign this and sit down and have an open conversation with us. That is that is how it works. That's what some people think is going to happen when it finally comes to trial. We'll find out a little bit more coming up because we're going over the paperwork about when that might actually happen. I know you want to know about that. Also, we're going to have a video coming up with a new tour with updated information of the Idaho 4 house. We're also going to go over the information I have about it being torn down today and what the families of those that were murdered think about it. Police apprehended Kohlberger, who attended school nearby in Washington State as his parents' house in Pennsylvania last December. Authorities say they linked him to a white Elantra similar to the one seen in surveillance footage near the killings. Phone records also indicated Kohlberger's phone was near the crime scene between 9.12 a.m. and 9.21 a.m., hours after the killing. According to court documents, Idaho State Lab was also able to narrow a DNA profile by linking Kohlberger's trash to a tan leather knife sheath found at the scene of the killings, the court documents state. The comments say this. We always love to read the comments, don't we? Before I do that, let me go into the chat and see who else here. Taylor, hello. You guys are awesome. Glad you're here. Nice to see you guys. Hey, I'll be dipping in and out. Good to see you. So we got uh, Laura dipping in and out. Maybe, maybe we'll... See the man from the the dude from the land down under. I hope we see Grant, a.k.a. the dude. What are they doing up there? This guy should have been convicted a long time ago. Are they using student prosecutors from the university? Is this their first case? That was from Richard. Walt says this. The defense is picking at straws in this case, especially claim the DNA found on the knife sheath could have been placed there by way of touch DNA. Investigators have all kinds of evidence against this guy. They just have to make sure it holds up in court against a crafty defense attorney. R says this, and UI wants to tear down the house. Are they trying to get this guy released? Supposedly, his defense team has looked at the house and gotten everything they need to defend him. But you know what's going to happen? I'm not a lawyer. But don't you want to preserve the crime scene to allow the jury to show the jury? All right, and this just up. 
breaking news from NBC. Let's see what they got to say. NBC. It's been almost a year since Brian Koberger was arrested and charged with the brutal murders of four University of Idaho students. Now, after months of delays, prosecutors have formally requested a trial date for the death penalty case. An attorney for one of the victim's families says it's welcome news. I spoke with the family and I think the words were finally was the uh, response. So everyone is happy that uh, we're moving forward. In a court filing, the Latah County prosecutor asking for the trial to take place this summer and run about six weeks. I think that the state is going to do everything that they can to get this case off the ground. A judge has entered a not guilty plea on Koberger's behalf, and Koberger has said through a previous attorney he believes he'll be exonerated. In the court documents filed Thursday, the prosecutor also proposed the trial dates avoid times when Moscow High School and our area universities are in session, pointing out that the high school is directly adjacent to the courthouse. Also on Thursday, the prosecution team was back at the house where Kaylee Gonzalez, Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin were stabbed to death back in November of 2022, although it's not clear what specific actions were taken during the visit. The university plans to demolish the house next week during the school's winter break, but Kaylee's father, Steve Gonzalez, wants the house to remain until the trial is over, telling NBC News he hopes the school reconsiders. If they tear it down and one jury member says, I wanted to see that place, I wanted to go inside there, I had questions that couldn't be answered, then they'll be held accountable. But this morning, new hope for four grieving families that justice may finally be served in the new year. When your child dies, they don't just die once. They, they die every time that you wake up. So, you know, it's terrible that you have to wait this long to have justice and a legal expert we spoke with says so she expects the trial will end up taking longer than six weeks, especially since prosecutors are seeking the death penalty. Another potential curveball, she says it's very likely the defense will ask for a change of venue, possibly Boise, Idaho, suggesting Koberger would not get a fair trial in the small, tight-knit town where the murders took place. This was tough, but we got there. Congratulations. I'm glad you got there. Lady, all right, it's just, there's nobody who's been following this case that thinks, hey, I believe it's a good idea to tear down the house, not one person. Hello, Microdot, glad you could join us. Thank you very much. This show is a show, it's your show. Everybody watching, everybody listening, this is your show. We go over the things that you want to go over. Our email is midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. Our phone number is 325-261-0892. On the show, we go over the issues on both sides of it. Uh, it's really hard for me to make up my mind on things. We're going to go over Turtle Boy here in about, you know, about three minutes, four minutes. And Aiden Kearney, Turtle Boy, the charges of the Canton Nine and the updates, and if he is indeed going to jail, he might be going. He might be in jail right now, actually, over the holiday season. We're going over that. Here's how I feel about it. I'm not saying that Aiden Kearney's a bad guy. I don't think that he's a bad guy. I don't think he's a crook. I don't think he's crooked. I don't think Karen Reed. I don't know that Karen Reed did it. I don't know that she didn't. I'm on the outside looking in, 
with my popcorn and I'm discussing it. And in my mind, you know, I have to, I have to see the trial, you know, that's where I'm at. That's the kind of person I am. And that's the way a lot of you guys are. That's why I like to discuss the issues. You can call in three, two, five, two, six, one, zero, eight, nine, two. When we have the phone lines open, I would love to talk to you about the issue. I don't care where you stand on any of these issues at all. What I want is you to be honest with me. What you think. Uh, I don't make fun of you. I don't yell at you. I'll be respectful to you. You be respectful to me. I will treat you. I'll treat you right. All right. Let's go over this part right here. Brian Kohlberger, trial mother of Idaho murder victim, fights to keep King Road House open. I believe, uh, yep, Kara Northington, or otherwise known as Karen Kernodal. Kara Kernodal. As the University of Idaho prepares to knock down the rental home where four students were murdered last year, one of the victim's mothers is fighting to keep it standing until the suspect goes to trial. As experts have told Fox News Digital that the university's bid to demolish the building is a decision that prioritizes the school's aim to move on. Above the potential impact at a first-hand look at the crime scene that it could have on jurors in the case against Brian Kohlberger. Karen Northington, whose 20-year-old daughter, Zanna Kernodal, was stabbed to death alongside three friends in the early morning hours of November 13, 2022, shared a change.org petition Sunday. My daughter was murdered in that house, and there's no way they should be destroying any evidence, she wrote in the comments. The demolition is set to begin on December 28th, less than a year after Koberger's uh, arrest. Tearing down the house before jurors have a chance to walk through it could potentially hinder a fair path to justice. According to the petition organizer, it's critical that all evidence remains intact until after this trial continues. Let me give you a link to that change.org position in case you want to sign it. You are more than welcome to. All right, there. There you go. There's that link for you in the chat room if you're watching this live. If you're not, then the chat is still available after the show goes up on YouTube right after we're finished with this broadcast. This is horrible. The landlord donated the property to the University of Idaho earlier this year, and the school announced plans to raise it and build a memorial garden which, according to Chapin's family, is being designed by a UI architecture student. I don't see why the house needs to be demolished before the trial, said John Gillicone, a retired NYPD sergeant and adjunct professor at the John Jay College of Criminal Justice. I understand the school wants to move on, but walking the jury through the crime scene when you have it is important to give them a perspective that photos just can't do. I want... If I was a juror, I would want to be where Bethany Funk room was and to have someone scream up on the first floor to see how sound echoed what I'm actually hearing. I've heard different things. It sound, uh, According to her testimony, it sounds like she could barely hear anything that, you know, 
sounded as gruesome as it must have sounded. According to other people that lived there before, other students that lived there in the past, sound travels very easily in that house. And they're also almost in an amphitheater there in the depressed valley where the house sits. So I would want to know that as a juror. And I want to know how uh, the time that all this had have taken place is so minute for the hands-on murdering, personal murdering, using a K-bar knife for four people that I would want to know physically. I'd want to run through it myself and see how long it could have happened. It would have took. And there was evidence of people of some of the victims fighting back and still being able to do it in such a minute amount of time. I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, please correct me. It was about seven minutes. All right, so I'm going to move on here. I'm going to, we're going to talk about Aiden Kearney now, and I'm going to call our expert about Aiden Kearney. This is the latest I have, and I know there's been an update about after this. Oh, come on. Come on, Internet. I'm bringing up things. It's just rather slow. Now, I on my Twitter account, it is at MidnightRad underscore IO. Let me share a link with you guys. How do you do that? Anyway, I'll do that later. Share this tab instead. There we go. I'm going to play this for you, and we're going to call our expert. You know, so there's people that are anti-Turtle Boy. There's people that are pro-Turtle Boy. On my Twitter, I retweet all that stuff, not because I agree with either side. I do it because I want to save it and talk to you about it later. That's what I use my Twitter for, so. All right, so check this out. This is what a Turtle Boy hater says. It's called Turtle Boy Exposed. Now we know why. Hashtag Turtle Boy was crying before his live last night. He was told by Mello that he violated the no contact order and that they're going to try to lock him up for 90 days because of it. 90 minutes till showtime. We are with you, Mello. Lock up the criminal. But there's a, a video here that they posted, so I want to play that for you. And then we're going to call our expert, and he can give us the updates both on this. I want to know exactly what the Canton 9 are, why they got charged, what they were doing. Where Tur- Turtle Boy is now, what his options are. I want to know it all. I want to discuss it with you. So let me play this. And it would not surprise me if they try to make an argument to jail me tomorrow for 90 days for violation of the harassment prevention order because that's what Mello was trying to push today, that I violated the order. I, I don't know what surprise they have tomorrow. I hope not. I don't want to go to jail for Christmas, but these people are Animals. Animals animals and they they would glad gleefully do that and if it happens to me that's gonna suck i'm i love christmas and i love spending time with my kids especially on christmas and that will crush me obviously because i'm only human but if it happens there's nothing i can do about it and we will fight it and 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 whatever so and, and if they dare do that tomorrow, I would. I think there will be a lot of outrage if that happens. I think there will be a lot of outrage if that happens tomorrow. But I am prepared for that tomorrow. There is a chance that might happen. So, 
And there you have it. All right, let me go ahead and call our expert for uh, this whole Karen Reed trial. Turtle Boy, what's going on here? It's very interesting. All right, here we go. Here we go again. I believe his name is John, but I might be wrong. Hello. Hey, man. Hey, this is Midnight Radio here. This is Gerald Schmimmins. How you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate you talking with us about the Turtle Boy Cant 9, what's going on right now. Uh, could you remind me what your name is? I believe it's John, but I don't want to say the wrong name. No, it's Chris. Chris. Sorry about that. Thank you for reminding me. No problem. All right. So the last so, time we talked... Yeah. It was just Turtle Boy had 19 charges at the time for witness intimidation. That is correct. All right. So, go ahead. Since that time, the district attorney who issued the statement saying the lead detective did not know the people involved is now confirmed as a federal investigation. So that happened. Right. I remember hearing about there being a federal investigation. So that's what the federal investigation was about. Yep. So that's been confirmed now. Uh, uh, local Fox 25 reported uh, that they, they're actively investigating the district attorney. Okay. And so the nine people that were in Canton were basically arrested for uh, peacefully protesting across the street from one of the witnesses. So they would, they were, or they weren't actually arrested. They were summoned and then indicted, and now they're facing felony charges for just being across the street from one of the people who were involved, allegedly involved, a witness. Hey, Chris, can I stop you right there? They're telling me that they can't hear you on the live stream. I can hear you, and they're going to hear you on the replay, but they can't hear you right now. You mind if I hang up and call you right back? No problem. I I know what the issue is. I can fix it. All right, I'll call you right back. All right, everybody, we're fixing the issue right now. I'm going to let you guys be able to hear it. It is a goofy StreamYard issue. Okay, all right, we're good now. Calling Chris back. I will have him restate everything so you guys can hear. All right, we are back, and they can hear you. Hey. All right, this is Chris, everybody. Let me reintroduce Chris. And we started with the last time we talked, we started, and you told us about Turtle Boy. He had 19 charges for witness tampering, and these are for the protests. These are for the things he's done. he did in his lives, calling, um, what would you call them, witnesses? 
that the prosecution yeah. were going to call, and he talked to him live on a show, uh, things to that nature. Turtle Boy would call it showmanship, you know, the show, you know, showmanship for a show. Also, he's on the side believing that Karen Reed did not commit the crime, and that's what he portrayed on his show. So they gave him 19 federal charges. Have any of those charges been dropped, by the way, or... So there, so if two well, or, there were nine people who were protesting. Okay, were summoned and then charged with federal crimes for being within eyesight of witnesses, even though that's not exactly what the statute says. So this, that was also what Turtle Boy was charged uh, with as, as the witness intimidation. Okay, so I missed that part. So he had the 19 charges, and then after he was charged, they had, they had more protests, and this is where the Canton 9 comes in. They had more protests because they were within eyeshot. He got more charges, and also nine other people did. Yes. So, again, people just standing there, holding signs, not 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 really doing anything but just standing there, just holding signs. Okay, so you saw the live stream of it. It didn't get wild. They weren't chanting uh, what? They weren't chanting that, that um, what was the name of the guy murdered again? John, oh. John O'Keefe, that's right. They weren't chanting that his parents are involved in it or talking about his mother no. again. They were just no. protesting. Now, were they? what were they protesting this time? Were they protesting the charges against Turtle Boy and uh, Karen Reed's innocence at the same time? Well, well right now we're focused on the injustice of Turtle Boy because mm-hmm. they're so intertwined yes that the same it's the same people who are investigating investigating Karen Reed are investigating turtle boy That's so true. when turtle boy is pointing out hey look at all this fraud they keep arresting him for more stuff that's true uh let's see so so that's catching us up. So right after he had 19 charges against him and he, he was raising money for that and he was, they were having protests about that. Then we have him charged with more. How many more charges did he get because of that protest? He, he was at 19. Did he get more? So he got, yeah, they, no, they bumped it up to superior. They bumped it up to the next level. Okay. And that was what today was. They were they were looking for a. It, it was being arraigned on the higher level. Okay. And the best way to think about it is. The best way to think about it is, think about your job, whatever you do, and you had to write a report that your boss is going to look at, and if your boss finds mistakes, it, you're not going to look good. That's what these legal decisions were. Mm-hmm. And the, what, what happened today was the higher judge said, 
No, I don't. I don't see enough law here. We're not. We're not enforcing these stayaways because there's nothing. There's nothing illegal about them. So it, it was pretty groundbreaking. So that takes us to where we are today. Um, is there something in between? The Canton Nine protest, that's what I call it now. Those nine people were charged. And in between that and today's ruling, did he do something else? Or was that just from the Canton Nine fallout? So there was, there, there had been, at, uh, last week there was about 400 people gathered at the police station to peacefully protest the handling of this because the residents of that town have recently voted in a town election to have a public audit in the amount of $200,000 to find out what, uh, what if any corruption is going on in that town. Wow. In the police department. Police department. I'll tell you, there's a lot going on in this case. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you and your wife for updating us because there's no way I can follow everything as deeply as everybody else. So thank you for um, talking with me about this. So the last thing I knew, and, you know, I I showed you what I had on my, my ex account about he was going to go up in front of the judge today. And you just mentioned that a little bit. He was worried about going to uh, prison for the holidays. What happened at court today? So what happened was the court date was was supposed to be the two days after Christmas, but uh, Turtle Boy's attorney couldn't make it, so they pushed it to today. So they went today, and the, the, the arraignment today was basically – to move it from the lower level to the higher level. Okay. And what had happened was the specific order of having to remain certain amount of feet away from someone without being charged with anything is un-American. And Can I ask you this question, Chris? <clears throat> yeah. They they were protesting in a public place, right? I mean, this was uh, in front of the at courthouse. The sta- yeah, it was right at the police station. Okay, so it's not like they were at a you know a public. They weren't at the pizza parlor or anything like that. They weren't no, just on the sidewalk. The, I mean, the the they were the uh, the pizza place is a a public place. Yeah, but they, it, they should. They weren't even that close. They were actually, you know, in a. Yeah, they, I mean, they were across the street, but okay. From the I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a freedom of speech. We all have the. the this is a, a the, their their rights. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we may not we may not like it, but this is this is what makes America truly great. We got to stand up for that. So they. The court did um, the judge throw it out or say no? So Turtle Boy the, isn't going to go away for ninety days. The judge, the judge didn't throw out the case. 
because today was just a, a bail hearing. Oh, but what he, what he did throw out was the previous, the lower court's limitations on what Turtle Boy could do. So now all tur- the only thing that, that Turtle Boy is governed by is if it's legal or not. Okay. The same thing we all should be governed by. If his speech was legal or not. Well, if his speech, if his action, if that G, that we just talking, mm-hmm. they're just talking two people now, two private citizens. Okay. As opposed to what? What? What was it before? As, a, as opposed to previously, mm-hmm. there were some limitations as certain people had been named as witnesses. So, okay, I see. Turtle, say, say Jen McCabe had an order against Turtle Boy. She had, he, there were certain things he couldn't do, certain distances that he couldn't go. And now this judge here ruled that that wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, wasn't applicable to this case. Wasn't constitutional. Okay, and that's out. Okay, okay. But they didn't throw out the charges. They just threw out that aspect of the charge. Not being added to this case. Y- yes. Okay. Yes. I see. I get it. I'm telling you, this takes some deep explanation to get all the intricacies of it. So, this was just a bell hearing. So he's is he still out on bell? He's still out on bail. Okay. He's still out on bail. So he's still going to go to court again over this. No bail. No bail. He's on personal recognizance. No, he's not. Oh, yeah. He's, no, he's, oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's on personal recognizance. Yeah. Okay. He, he is not under any, there's no bail concern. He's on his own personal recognizance. He's like everybody else. Yeah. Okay. So when's his next court appearance scheduled? I believe, well, Karen Reed has mm-hmm. one. January 5th. So. Okay, Jan 5th. What, yep, what is there are, for? A hearing there on are the. Two, like, yeah, like these, these cases, because again, the people who are investigating Karen Reed are the same people who are investigating Turtle Boy. True. And the same, same district same attorney. Who, yeah, the same district attorney. The same. So it it was the same state trooper and the same. Uh, they they were all the same. So it's oh, it's so bad. All right. So what did? When's the next hearing for Turtle Boy? Do we know? Oh, Karen Reed. She. Her her next hearing is it just for when the trial is going to be the trial date? No, it is. Oh shoot! Are they uh, trying to dismiss something? Yeah, no, it's some some motion or okay. some like uh, a response to Jen McCabe's phone, maybe. Okay. Yeah, the Don't phone issue. It's it's some kind of evidentiary some kind of hearing. Yeah. Okay, and we're and then we're still waiting to hear on when Turtle Boy's next hearing's going to be. It's it's out there. I just don't know what it is off the top of my head. 
All right. That's all right. So to sum everything up, in your eyes, explain to us the importance of this trial, how it affects freedom of speech, how it affects the way the police are allowed to investigate things. What's your opinion on all that? So, I mean, if if you look at it like, if you just look at what happened, some, uh, somebody, somebody died Mm -hmm. at a certain spot and, and a plow driver and then 11 people missed this man. And then every single thing that could have gone wrong with the investigation, which was done by somebody who seems to have known one of the people in the house since he was a a child, a Mm -hmm. lifelong, I sat at your wedding when we were seven and I was 22. I mean, think how many people on this planet have you done that with? So I'm going to be the lead investigator, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it. And every single piece of evidence that is reported is somehow included with five unauthorized searches. Some of that undocumented searches. Yeah. Undocumented searches has made it in, including video library footage that is missing the two minutes that you saw me drive by, including autopsy photos, missing dogs, selling homes, all of that gets gets investigated by people who you went to high school with and your lifelong friends with. And now one person is saying, I don't want to... I don't want to cover this, but everybody else is saying, Hey, cover this. And then it starts bubbling up Mm -hmm. because none of the reports match up at all. And all of the statements are wrong Mm -hmm. and nothing was handled right. So then that reporter, why don't we arrest him? So those same people that were investigating Karen Reed now arrested that reporter. And then, oh, by the way, some regular people who are just, you know, people like you and me who hear about this were standing on the sidewalk with signs that said, I don't agree with this or free Karen Reed. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the, and men with guns came to us. I I mean, it came to them and said, it's illegal. You're breaking the law by standing here, by, by, by doing this. This is un-American. You're breaking the law. So when, when, the, when those things happen, you just tend to take notice. Some of, there's two aspects of this that are very confusing to me, and I completely agree with you. You look at this case, and you see the way the police investigated, and it stinks. You know, it seems like there's something wrong. Uh, To be able to know for sure, you'd have to have more information than they provided you about the information, you know, to verify what they're saying. It stinks, and the people that are involved, then you look on the other side of it, 
if you don't, if Karen Reed didn't do it, you have, what is it, 11 people that are supposedly his friends at the time are all involved in a conspiracy to cover up his death. And while both of these things are just hard to believe that this is going on, and then you have the Aiden Kearney part added into this, and to me, it looks like it's blowing it up even more to where it'd be hard to get a fair uh jury for her and uh, to the point where it's affecting the trial so what are your thoughts on where this goes from here me i'm i'm confused to me you know i can't make up my mind uh beside the aiden kearney part i'm looking at this case and i need to see some evidence that i don't have in trial for either way you know it stinks on both sides and then we have the so, freedom of speech part with uh, Aiden. Go uh, ahead. So I, I will ask you what 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 about what about this case makes you think Karen Reed did it? I could also ask you what in this case makes you think there's eleven people that were his friends, according to them and him at the time. And they, he was at they were at his house, or he was at their house drinking. That makes you think eleven people that were his friends would be involved in his murder and covered up. That doesn't make sense. These weren't his enemies; they were his friends. But answering you about Karen Reed, I put myself in this situation. Let's say I'm drunk. All right, I had. Let's just say I had the drinks that she was reported to have had it that night and let's say this part of it's true i had the drinks let's say that me and my spouse are fighting and let's say i was in the situation as her and i'm drunk to the point of blacking out i could see me murdering my spouse under those circumstances but again like i said i don't think karen reed did it I'm being honest with you. I'm confused on both sides. I need more evidence. I need more solid evidence and less cover-up. I agree with you. It looks like the investigation was shoddy. There's things that are missing. There's things that need to be verified that hasn't been presented to me that would have to be presented in trial if I was a jury member ever supposed to convict Karen Reed. The information isn't available to me yet to be able to make up my mind. To me, it stinks on both sides. That's where I'm standing in my mind. But I can't. I intellectually, and I, I, I don't need. I don't understand. Not one of the injuries. Not one of the damages. I don't understand how. Anyone can explain to me that she did it. Well, I'll tell you this right now. I've heard people say that before, and I've seen people ran over by a car before. I've seen people hit. I've seen their body dragged. I've been through that. I've seen it. I've seen bodies blown up. I've seen bodies burnt. And guess what? I've seen the his arm scratches on a person that was hit by a car because of the gravel on the road. I've seen that before. And I'm not a doctor, so when I'm reading the autopsy report, me not being a doctor, me being a layman, I need more information. 
okay. But okay. I, do, I also so, do see where people are coming from when they say this, I, you know, they talk about the dog theory, what it looks like. Yes, yeah. possible. Well, I, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a question for you then. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I'm a independent plow driver mm-hmm. that you conveniently left off your first report saying the road wasn't plowed. Mm -hmm. Who did that? My very close friend. I I drove by at two 30 and I didn't see you. Mm -hmm. Where's the body? Hey, I agree with you. Like I said, the police uh, investigation sucks. It's incomplete. It's misleading. My, my, that my, doesn't, there's not enough information on it. You know, I need more, oh. like like you guys looked at it. You looked at it, and I've seen it, looked at it both sides. Some saying that he misidentified some cars, and the car that he did say was a different color. Again, I need to see all this information presented and verified in a court of law. Other than, than that, it's just hearsay, but I'm with you on that. That information and the police... This is all in court documents. It's in court documents, but what's not in court documents is the information verifying his statements. I saw his statements, but I want some verification on it. I saw other people that were investigating it saying that he uh, had the wrong colors that he named on the car. But I want to see this in court. And the reason why is because the police investigation is shoddy. It really is. They should have verified it on their own. Maybe they did, and we don't have that information. I don't know. That's just me. I just can't make up my mind until I see the oh, okay. I, I so, see the trial, you know? So and maybe not then. There is how come the 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 video from the Canton Library, which was on her ride home for the two minutes she was driving, met, went missing. When the, when the state handed over to the defense, the two minutes where she drove by, which would have shown her completely intact taillight, is missing. Crappy police investigation. So we're, 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 we have to understand that, that if... You believe Turtle Boy deserves a fair trial, don't you? You believe Karen Reed deserves a fair trial, don't you? I mean, you do. Even be at trial. I think I want I want a fair trial for the people in the house. Well, the she's she's already been arrested. I mean. She deserves to be cleared then. How about that? They should read their own reports. They should understand. You know, we can wish. We can wish and we can hope, but that doesn't make anything happen. She physically is arrested. That's the situation she's in. I didn't put her in that. I'm not saying she put herself in that, although she was there. Maybe it's not lucky, but that's where... The reality is, so since she's there, it doesn't matter what my wishes are. She needs a fair trial. She's not just going to be released, no matter what we want. 
that I actually yeah. think that's probably going to happen. I, I, uh, I just, I, I understand. I, right. I, I understand and again, I say these, I'm saying these things to you, and I'm not on the other side at any moment, um, and you have more information about it than I do. Once I hear the thing, you know, I'm going to snap my fingers and be like, that's it. You know what I mean? I want to have this conversation. Uh, but yeah. from what I've seen and what I've heard, you know, I'm still not convinced on, you know, I'm not convinced that she didn't do it. I'm not convinced that she did it. What I'm convinced of, to be honest, is that the police uh, investigation is horrible. And I hope, and, and part of that information I need in the trial to be filled in is by the defense pulling apart you know, the inconsistencies in their information, uh, you know, where that two, two minutes went, where the uh, more information about what the snow plow drivers saw verification on that, about the different colors and the different cars. I want, I want, uh, I want in, I want an expert forensic, uh, investigator looking at the body and looking at the report on both sides, you know, defense and, uh, prosecution but until i hear something that makes it click for me i'm still just on the sidelines waiting to see this trial for more information and you know we all know uh we all know bull crap when we hear it when we see it you know and really i'm just here on both sides here i'm I'm, i need more information i i i I don't understand. I, I guess I still when I'm when I think when I'm thinking about this intellectually, mm-hmm. and there are only two ways that it happened. Mm-hmm. Either you believe the co- either he died in that house. And everyone, everybody knows it. Or every single part about the investigation involving that vehicle is wrong. Every single part of that is wrong in order for the first thing not to have happened. So what you have to say to me is, and this is all documents in that is already in court. So these are court documents that they got it wrong with tail lights, five undocumented searches. They got that wrong. They got the time that they towed the vehicle wrong. They got the tail lights not being there at first. They got the delays in, in the, in the, in the search, they have the missing shoe, the missing belt, the missing socks, and all of that has to take place for it not to be they beat him inside and then they just left them there. You know, it's a big coincidence for all of the things to happen for no reason. A lot of one of the things I've been focusing in my mind on lately is the the Apple Watch and the phone. You know, the positioning of that. I know you guys know about that. 
He did yeah. not have mm-hmm. an Apple Watch on. He didn't have a watch on. Okay, well, his no. uh, phone. Oh. Yeah, his phone. Mm-hmm. Which, which, again, so if 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 what if what if it didn't happen in the house, then what has to happen is she has to run him over with her with her truck, and that phone has to land underneath him. All right, so you get hit somehow, and your phone has to land somehow underneath you, and you're about 12 feet away. So let's remember that. I'm interested in the part, I believe it said that, according to his information on his phone, that his phone went inside the house, right? Yep, yeah, which, which again, would support she dropped him off, it supports that he went inside the house, but the prosecution—excuse <coughs> me—the prosecution is claiming that uh, the data that he went inside the house could be inaccurate. Yeah, the national police were ordered to. Michael Proctor was ordered to provide a request to geofence, which would have showed exactly who was in that house, and he specifically reported requested only the Android. In the house, he did not request anything with an Apple phone, mm-hmm. which is what both John and Jen McCabe have. Again, this is very uh, suspect. And also, here's an interesting thing about uh, Apple phones. They communicate with each other. Understood. Because again, of AirTag, the AirTag technology. If O'Keefe's phone was in that house, it would have pinged the McCabe's phones. So again, like I said... It looks like shoddy. It looks like shoddy investigation. It looks like a possible cover up for sure. And they're also so, attacking so again, the accuracy to, of the Apple devices, you and you that can be tested and verified. And I want to see that. So, so uh, again, all of the stuff that has to, all of that stuff has to keep going because. If you tell me, if you say to me, oh, he's in the house, then I can explain pretty much every single thing, every single solitary question about this case. It doesn't ever go the other way. There's never one question that I get from someone who feels that there's there's, there's a question about, well, what about this? Because there's just so much that it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really register. I'm going to have to move on. Thank you for updating us on, on this. Uh, please continue if you are willing to do that. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, no it's problem, brother. I appreciate how, how in depth you, you're following this. Because you're you're following it a lot more than I can, and I appreciate that. And we got Karen Reed; she has an evidence hearing on January fifth. We're going to continue the Turtle Boy situation, which is intertwined but not exactly the same. Thank you very much, everybody. This was Chris, and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon, my brother. Thank you, and thank your wife for me. Chris, everybody. 
That's better, really. I really appreciate him updating us on the Turtle Boy. What's going on with Turtle Boy? I do. All right. I've got more. First off, I'm going to go over a quick Turtle Boy video, and then we're going to move on. I've got some crazy news stories of things that happened in the last two weeks. Uh, things that will blow your mind, things that have, quite frankly, blown my mind. Let's check this out first. Oh, yeah. Here we go. We're going to watch the first part of this, and then we're going to continue. This will... Uh, sum up the things that we've gone over tonight and maybe raise some new questions. This is an innocent woman. She didn't do it. I tried to save this life. Yeah. We know who did it, Steve. We know. And we know who spearheaded this cover-up. You all know. The idea that multiple police department, the medical examiner, and prosecuting agencies are joined in or taken in by a vast conspiracy should be seen for what it is, a desperate attempt to reassign guilt. We now have new details in the case against Massachusetts defendant Karen Reed and the controversy surrounding the death of her police officer boyfriend. Popular Boston-based blogger Aiden Turtleboy Kearney, who is known for his relentless coverage of this case, has had 16 more charges added to his indictment and is expected to be arraigned on those charges this afternoon. Furthermore, Court TV has also learned from inside sources that multiple protesters have been criminally charged and will be in court January 4th for a hearing of their own. As you may know, since the beginning, Reed and her counsel have adamantly proclaimed her innocence, alleging this was a cover-up by the Boston Police Department. Let's take a listen to some of the evidence the defense says exonerates Reed from the murder of her boyfriend. Guys, I do want to let you know that right now the phone lines are now open. If you'd like to talk to Gerald Schmimmons, you can call that line on the Midnight Caller line, 325-261-0892. I would love to talk to you about this topic or any of the other topics we've covered tonight or the topics that are coming up. we got some crazy stories that are coming up. If you're listening to us on Spotify, you can still call that number, 325-261-0892, 325-261-0892. That is 325-261-0892. Leave up to a three-minute voicemail message. We will play your voicemail message on the show if we're not live. If we're live, I will pick it up and talk to you. I want to hear what you have to say. 325 or you can always email us at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com we also have a kick-ass radio station you find the links on midnightrad.io that's our website midnightrad.io we are live on iHeartRadio. tune in amazon alexa devices just say Tune in to Midnight Radio, and it will do that for you. Let's continue here with this, and we're going to continue on the rest of the show. Friend John O'Keefe. Shortly after John O'Keefe died, Brian Laughlin told us that he did plow the street in front of 34 Fairview, made a pass by there at 2.30 in the morning on January 29th. And when he passed that house, there was not a lot of snow that had fallen. Visibility was good. The lights were working on his plow. He passed right by the area where John O'Keefe's body would have been 
if Karen Reed had actually struck him. Here's an interesting fact that you're about to see. You see the, I think it's a sheriff's deputy of security on the left-hand side in the white shirt. He's going to move, and you're going to see Turtle Boy himself there at the trial watching the proceedings. With her vehicle, and he confirmed that at 2.30 a.m., plowing that area, there was no body there. Why is Jennifer McCabe, one of the parties that was inside the house that night, the sister-in-law of Brian Albert, why was she Google searching? How long does it take for a human body to die in the cold? The Apple Cocoa Core data indicates, or the core time indicates exactly what time that Google search occurred. That time was... Now, here's another question. I wish I would have talked to Chris about that. Maybe we will when we talk about it next. But according to that data, it's very interesting. According to the the prosecution, and they're saying that Karen Reed asked her to search for that, how long it takes to die in the snow, when they were together looking for him. And she already had a tab open, and she used that Google search tab, and that's what the that's why the time was that because she opened it at two something a.m. in the morning, not like the six, the five or six a.m. when they were looking for John O'Keefe. I want to know if that is possible to happen. I'm going to see an investigation, and I want to see the the evidence on that. You know, if there's not, if there's not in the trial, I'm assume it's bullshit. And I'm going to assume that she really did search it to something in the morning. This is some information I want to have. Uh, I've heard other things that makes Jen McCabe look suspicious. But I need the verification. You know, if I'm going to freeze someone, if I was a jury member, and I'm going to freeze someone from a murder charge, you know, although let me let me make this clear. Maybe I didn't make this clear enough to Chris. From the things I've seen so far, I'm not convinced that she committed the murder, okay? Um, she's innocent until proven guilty. From everything I've seen so far, there's more than enough reasonable doubt. So the prosecution is going to have to bring their A game. They're the ones responsible to verify the evidence, especially for the crappy police work that was done. It has holes in it like the two hours missing from the footage. There's big holes. We're talking about all the phone data. There's big holes. It is their responsibility to convict her because she's assumed innocent. So that does make a difference in this case. So even though I can't decide, you know, that would make her free. You know, the reality she finds herself in is she is charged and she is up for this trial was at 2.27 and 40 seconds uh, in the morning on, on January 29th. That's three and a half hours before John O'Keefe's body was found. The Apple uh, health data that Alan referenced uh, earlier shows that he did walk, I think, approximately 80 steps and uh, went up and down approximately three flights of stairs. Um, you don't do that by getting out of a vehicle and being struck by the vehicle. He was like... As a result, and with the help of Turtle Boy, many Massachusetts citizens have taken Reed's side and made their presence known before each and every hearing. Let's take a look at some of those protests now. All right, I'm going to stop it right there. Uh, you guys want to see the protest? Okay, let's watch it real quick. Just a protest. Yeah. 
October 11th, the controversy grew when Turtle Boy was arrested and charged with one count of conspiracy and eight counts of intimidation. And now a Norfolk County grand jury expanded the charges, returning a 16 count indictment against him. Included. I said 19 counts earlier. Correction is 16. I heard Chris's wife say that. Thank you, Chris's wife. Also, I just wanted to mention that. And his new charges are two more counts of conspiracy and five counts of picketing a witness. In an attempt to... I'll say, so he got two more charges and five. Okay. Added. Address this conspiracy that District Attorney Michael Morrissey made an unprecedented move earlier this year, releasing a video statement negating the allegations and warning citizens about harassing witnesses. Let's watch a bit of that statement together now. This will be the first statement of its kind in my dozen years as Norfolk District Attorney. The harassment of witnesses and the murder prosecution of Karen Reed is absolutely baseless. It should be an outrage to any decent person, and it needs to stop. Innuendo is not evidence. Get this man a decent microphone and a damn teleprompter. Come on, guys. Somebody could have been holding up an iPad or something. False narratives are not evidence. However, what evidence does show is that John O'Keefe never entered the home at 34 Fairview Road in Canton the night he died. Jennifer McCabe... Matthew McCabe and Brian Elvin. These people were not part of a conspiracy and certainly did not commit murder or any crime that night. They have been forthcoming with authority, providing statements, and have not engaged in any cover up. Holy crap, this guy literally sounds like the family guy. He looks like he sounds like Peter Griffith. They are not suspects in any crime. They merely sounds like Peter Griffith, but he looks like an overweight Andy Griffith. Witnesses in the case. To have them accused of murder is outrageous. To have them harassed and intimidated based on false narratives and accusations is wrong. They are witnesses to what our justice system asks of them. This should be seen for what it is and not used as a pretext to attack and harass others. What is happening to the witnesses, some with no actual involvement in the case, is wrong. It is contrary to the American values of fairness and the constitutional value of a fair trial. It needs to stop now. Well, as the controversy grows and we prepare for the trial set to begin in March, a few questions come to mind. What will this trial end up looking like? And how will the state refute these allegations of conspiracy? And All right, I'm going to stop it right here. We're going to move on. I'd like to thank Chris and his wife again. It means a lot to me that they're willing to come on here. I'll move over to the next story. This is a question I have. I was hoping that my Australian friend would be here, but uh, I don't know. He's probably sleeping now. Different time zones and all that, but check this out. I was wondering, an uncommon creature with enormous genitalia. Turns out to be new species in Australia. I wonder if this is actually the dude from down under that they found. I wonder if this was the dude. I don't know. But what the heck? A large creature flapped its patterned wings and it navigated a boulder cave in Australia, soaring straight into the researcher's dung trap. Scientists were searching for a relatively uncommon genus of flies in Queensland, according to a study. They collected more than 100 specimens and identified two new species. There it is. 
In case you're wondering, some of the scariest things come from Australia. They say its genitals are enormous, but it's still a fly, so nobody needs to be worried. Check out this story. Mother charged home, home condemned unhabitable condition. Police were charged. Police have charged a mother after her Scranton, a Scranton, Pennsylvania home, was found with children living in uninhabitable conditions. Don't worry, this is Scranton, but we do have some Florida stories coming. According to the Scranton Police Department, an investigation began after a six-year-old child told the caseworker in Lackswanna County Office of Youth and Family Services that his mother, Brandy Sergi. 39 hit him and his younger siblings with a bat talking about her putting up her hair on the wall of shame. The victim stated his mother hits the children with a bat because they are bad. As stated in the release, as the investigation continued, police said one of the Sergi's children, age five, was examined and found to be covered in bruises. Police say Sergi was arrested at her home on the 700 block in Scranton, and inspectors decided to condemn the house due to the state of uninhabitable conditions according to court documents the rooms in sergey's house smelled of pet urine that burned noses and dog feces was scattered across the floor sergey faces the charges of endangering the welfare of children is simple assault it sounds like one of those issues when you you're an official and you step in there they have to take some menthol item and rub it on your upper lip there she is wall of shame congratulations lady make me sick comments say robert d says where's the father i'm a father of eight children i supported them until they were adults their moms and i did not always get along but it did not keep me from being a father they are great kids with careers i completely agree if you don't have the resources or the aptitude to care for children, don't have them. I can't get over the number of people in this country who have multiple offspring but no means of taking care of them. Schools teach how pregnancy occurs. So it's not like she didn't know. That was from Brenda. Why says this? Forget the living conditions. I would think the following would be enough to remove the kids under her care. Six-year-old child told the caseworker, with Lexwana County Office of Youth and Family Services, that he was hit with a bat. It's very hard reading stories like this, but it's, I think it's important that we do, and then we get outraged about things like this. This story right here, who killed Lacey Galeo? Deputies asked for help as Blooming high school students case goes cold we're gonna see if there's any updates on this right now let's see what we got i think there might be updates i'm feeling like there might be updates again the phone line is is still open if you guys want to call and talk about one of the things we have going on this did happen in florida in case you're wondering So here we go. Investigators say 15-year-old Lacey was at a Halloween party on October 31st when shots rang out after an argument shortly after 2 a.m. When deputies arrived, they said they found one male victim with a gunshot wound. He was taken to a hospital and was expected to recover. Deputies said 
Galileo was found shot at Petrol Mart gas station located at 11511 US 301. She was taken to the hospital, but she died from her injuries. As far as I understand, the female was trying to leave the scene of the shooting. She was jumping in her car with a friend to try to get away, and she was shot there. That's what a spokesman for the sheriff's department said. The friend, for some reason, ended up here at the Petrol Mart. The party goer who asked to remain anonymous told Fox 13 there was about 100 people at the party, ranging in ages from teenagers to about 30 years old. She said it didn't seem dangerous at first, but the vibe changed as the night turned into the early morning hours. A fight eventually broke out, leading to gunfire. Neighbors, including including Barry Bryson, said he heard two rounds of gunfire. I heard a lot of gunfire. It was a lot of gunfire, he said. He lives a few houses away from the shooting. Soon after that, there was another huge amount of gunfire. Neighbors saw party goers running for their lives and trying to escape in cars. You can see people running, mostly kids and teenagers. Detectives believe... There are a lot of people who may have information to solve this crime, but have not yet come forward. Our dedicated detectives never stop pursuing justice. Here's what the comments say. Juan Hung Lo says, It'd be great to solve it far better to preclude it. Now 15 years old should be at a... No 15-year-old should be at a party at 2.30 in the morning. Sad for this family. I told my 15-year-old to be home by 11 if she was going to party, if it was a friend's house. If I knew their parents, she could spend the night if they were going to be home. When she turned 18, I had to trust her judgment. Mary says, I had to be home by 10 at that age. I mean, who lets a 15-year-old stay out all night? I was 17 before my parents allowed me to stay out until midnight. And that rule remained even after I turned 18 as long as I lived under their roof. All right, this is a story we've been following, and it's there's an update for you. There's new charges for a woman, 32-year-old woman, that's accused of posing as a high school student. This is interesting to me because there's been a rash of people, 30-year-olds, 29-year-old, 26-year-olds, posing as high school students. What the hell? I'm following it here. Let's see what happens to this one. Now to the 32-year-old woman accused of posing as a high school student, she faces new charges after pretending to be a traumatized child while collecting a salary as a Massachusetts social worker. Trevor Alt has the story. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning, George. So investigators say this all began when a man claimed he was withdrawing his daughter from school because she was bullied, even though she had just enrolled in that school a week prior. And school officials thought something was up. Prosecutors now say that student was actually a woman in her early 30s. This morning, the Massachusetts woman accused of posing as a Boston Public Schools high school student now facing multiple felony charges. Investigators say last year, 32-year-old Shelby Hewitt enrolled in three separate schools, presenting herself as a teenage foster child as young as 13, going by the names Daniela and Ellie. In reality, the defendant was a woman in her early 30s who had attended both college and graduate school and was employed as a social worker. Huh, what? I know, crazy ride, a professional. Professional what? Prosecutors allege while Hewitt was working as a social worker at the State Department of Children and Families, she created multiple names and dates of birth for herself and several fake social workers to spread a false narrative she was an extremely traumatized child with significant special education. Why the hell? You know, I'm drawn to stories like this. 
because they're not normal. They're weird. There's something cuckoo way far out there. There's no explaining it except for real mental illness. You know, we're not talking about somebody that's trying to feed a drug addiction or is who who's um, a sexual deviant. That's not crazy in my mind. This, ladies and gentlemen, is crazy in my mind. Way out of the norm, just like, just like the Karen Reed case. This is abnormal, just like the uh, Delphi murders, just completely out of the normal, the way it's being dealt with. Completely crazy. I got stories coming on that are completely crazy. I got a woman, other than this woman, completely nuts. And I think Hot Ham's going to appreciate it when it comes up. But this, too, is nuts. Educational needs. 16-year-old Janelle Lamont says she befriended Hewitt in school when the pair had three classes together. She says she suspected Hewitt had some mental health troubles because she'd have outbursts in class, but never suspected she was a different age. I was definitely shocked, and uh, my friends were definitely upset because we accepted her as just like one of us. Boston public school officials alerted authorities this summer after administrators discovered a DCF form had been filled out incorrectly and the social worker listed on the form was not actually an employee there. Prosecutors say Hewitt didn't act alone. She had two purported foster parents, one of whom is another social worker. Hewitt pleaded not guilty this week to nine counts, including felony forgery, identity fraud, and larceny. Her attorney insists she was never a danger to anyone. She's a person who's had a lifelong history of mental health challenges. She's in treatment. If she had a lifelong history of mental health challenges, how did she not pose a significant threat? Your argument, sir, is very weak. And she's working towards making herself a better person. And Hewitt has been released on $5,000 bail under conditions that require her to stay away from schools and anyone under 18. Guys, all right, Trevor. Thank- all right, thank you. We're continuing here for some more crazy stuff. I know you love them, Chris Cuomo. I know you love it. It's your boy. Come on. I know you miss um, that other lady that some of you don't like me to talk about that works for this same news nation. Uh, what was her name? Banfield. But no, this isn't Banfield. This is Chris Cuomo. Boom, there you go. But even more than that, there's more. There's new information on the evidence that they went over in the Gilgo Beach murder. Okay, the evidence that they found, what specifically what they were looking for, and your girl Jennifer Coffendaffer is going to go over that with you. So now today we learn the authorities have searched the suspect's property in South Carolina. Okay, and what they found could lead them to more cases. What did they find? Why does it matter? Former FBI agent, News Nation Law and Justice contributor, the Coffin Daffer, Jennifer Coffin Daffer. Jennifer, you said it would expand. Better. Uh, They said, you said it would expand. You would say we'd have to see how and why. What have we learned? Well, we learn now uh, what they're looking for in South Carolina. Now, many of these items you would expect, but some of these items you wouldn't. They're not boilerplate. Let me give you some examples. The bounty paper towels. This tells me that possibly he used this for cleanup. Possibly they were actually on part of the victims. And so they want to hook into a bounty paper towel that's connected with one of these homes so they can hook him to that. Secondarily, Chris, and this is odd, they want dog cages, litter, 
animal cages. They had this all listed. This made me think that maybe they have found other dog cages and things where there has been evidence. So not pro forma. These are not the things that Coffin Daffer went looking for case by case. It's not the template or the macro. Distal ends of black letter goods, devices utilized to stamp letters onto leather goods. That's anything but random. Why would they want that? Oh, that's a good one also, and that's because the restraints that were found on one of the victims likely had these stamped impressions of some nature, and so they're looking to see where that stamp is. Are there other belts, restraints that had stamps similar? Well, that's kind of spooky, isn't it? Doesn't it seem to suggest not that uh, let's uh, are they just saying we want to see if there are more restraints or that this guy had some kind of special also I have to say this man the sound is absolute crap at news nation guys you can do better you can do better brand or imprint that he was putting on the straps how do you read it oh I read it that he uses things for a very specific reason bounty paper towels I mean to tell you the truth bounty is the best <laughs> I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. Obviously, the man cuts his own hair. Come on. If I ever saw a creep, you know, you look at a haircut, and you can tell there's something wrong with this dude. And that's what he was apparently using as a part of the these quicker picker upper. These stamps could be on... That's right. The stamps could be on a very particular kind of restraint that he liked or a particular kind of belt. And what if he personalized them, you know, with a special stamp? I wonder this picture here, this was it just found on his phone or do you like tweet it out? I'm feeling sexy today. How about y'all? These things pop in my head. Seen that before in a case. Huh. And South. So this all indicates to you that they know more. Uh, then they have revealed and they're looking in specific places. No shit, Sherlock. Places for specific things. This doesn't sound um, the generic way we do all these cases. Correct. I mean, there were many items on there that are completely boilerplate. No matter what the case is, you're going to ask for those items. That's a given. But you're not going to ask in the specific... All right. So here's some things they're looking for. Search warrant for Rex Hermans, uh, South Carolina, South Carolina. It's not South Carolina. Oh, yeah, maybe it is. Dark green 2002 Chevrolet Avalanche. Victims' phones, jewelry, notebooks, ledgers, Bibles, and photographs of victims. Burlap, hunting blinds, restraints, belts, tape, firearms, magazines, cases, ammunition, bullet fragments, and shell casings, locked rooms, vault, and hidden counterparts. And probably all kinds of DNA. Specificity they have regarding these items we've just talked about. It's very unique. It's unique to this case. And they've tied it together with the victims. Now they're trying to tie it together back to one of these homes. Um, Dusty is interested in the fact that they found a child-sized doll in Massapequa. Was that that uncommon? I mean, I don't know what his situation is with his kids and whether he has grandkids. Why? This doll is very unique, Chris. First of all, it's, as you can see on your monitor, it's big, it's large, and they're not going to take it unless they believe it's evidentiary. So 
What is that doll dressed in? That was the first thing that came to mind. Could that be some way that maybe something taken from one of the victim's uh, garment is on that doll? Did he use that doll uh, to sort of play with, if you will, uh, in, during Ew. his fantasies when he wasn't able to victimize somebody? They're taking it for a very specific reason. Maybe it's a haunted doll like Annabelle. If it wasn't, maybe it will be now. There is one fact that him and his wife were swingers. That has nothing to do with this report. But if I was the professional expert that was being interviewed on this, I would bring it up at least twice. I'd say, you know, you do remember that they were. That's why no one ever asks me to go on one of these shows and interview. Hey, guys, if you're just watching this now and you haven't subscribed to the channel, do me a favor. Go ahead and do that. Also, hit that like bell. And if you subscribe, make sure you hit that bell uh, so you get all notifications. That way you can join in the conversation. This show is a conversation with you. We had a conversation with Chris earlier and i'm having a conversation with those in the chat room and these two people up here are having a conversation with each other and that doll is important what about the wife's facebook page Well, the wife's Facebook page is going to be very important because it could lead us to when she was out of town. Uh, that's going to be important because his M.O. is when his wife is gone, that's when the cats will play. That's when he's bringing these girls back to his home, I think, and committing these crimes. So essentially, if they can see what her travel was, and often people reflect that in their social media, I think they're going to have more direct pointers to when these crimes could have occurred hey thank you hey, for watching please go to hey. news nation hey i'm captain crunch ah my cereal is soggy in milk oh it scares me every time he does it moving on here crazy stuff u.s man charged in four murders lured victims with promise of buried gold. What the hell? Victims fell for alleged serial killers tell. All right, here we go. This is also in Washington State. Those of you that follow things in Washington State, check out this weird stuff. And we have a lot even weirder stuff than this coming on. But, yeah, this is a serial killer in Washington State. He's been hit with new murder charges after authorities revealed that he may have used the same scheme to kill all four of his victims by telling them he needed their help in finding buried treasure. Richard Bradley Jr., 40, has been awaiting trial of murder charges in the death of 44-year-old Brandy Blake since his arrest in 2021 has now been charged in the deaths of three more people. One identified from ribs buried on Bradley's 160-acre game farm in Auburn and matched to his mother using dna according to authorities all four were killed after they came into money and fell for bradley's tell that he needed their help digging up buried gold in a wooded area of his farm what do you guys want to bet that social media was involved in this he then killed his victims stole their possessions including their cars which he then drove around the scheme came to light in murder charges filed this month in the death of emilio mortran who was 36 when he was last seen alive july 2019 and michael goman 59 and goman's 31 year old son vance lakey according to court documents as reported by the seattle times 
Bradley's also been charged with arson for allegedly offering a man $1,000 to set fire to Goman and Vakey's Dodge Durango after it had been impounded. Their bodies were found in the same area as Bradley's farm. According to prosecutors, Goman had received a substantial inheritance just before he and his son were killed. Blake had won $20,000 at a casino and was known to carry large amounts of drugs and cash before her death and Mortran always took his cash and drugs with him whenever he left home after Mortran was reported missing by his girlfriend in August 2019 she told detectives that she had overheard Bradley saying he needed help digging up some buried gold despite some skepticism Moran went to visit Bradley in a white BMW with a pound of heroin and $15,000 in cash I don't know why they needed the heroin to help him dig up the gold but he never returned. His girlfriend tracked his phone to Bradley's farm. Police later spotted the parked BMW and waited for the driver. Bradley was later arrested after a car and foot chase. Bradley is scheduled to stand trial next month in the death of Brandy Blake and now faces a total of two counts of premeditated first-degree murder, two counts of second-degree murder, and second-degree arson. He has not yet entered a plea for the new charges. And I'm trying to look for comments, but I don't have any moving on. This is sad and crazy. A man was shot dead by cops after burning girlfriend's nine-year-old son he thought was possessed by a demon. He then swung the metal rod and struck a deputy in the head. At that point, which was 4.22 p.m., one of the deputies fired his agency-issued firearm, striking Ham. Ham was transported to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. Crazy. A convicted felon has been shot dead by law enforcement after attacking a Florida deputy with a rod and burning his girlfriend's nine-year-old son because he believed the child was possessed by a demon authority set first responders who arrived in the city of sebring for a uh, report of suspicious roadside debris fire around 4 p.m tuesday were confronted by 39 year old richard ham brandishing a pair of metal poles according to a press release ham and his girlfriend lakina phillips 30 have been torching the possessions of the woman's nine-year-old son whom the man thought to be possessed by a demon Witnesses told investigators that Ham pushed the boy into the fire and covered him with a flaming blanket, but the child managed to escape without serious injuries, thank God. Deputies who raced to the scene ordered Ham to surrender, but he allegedly refused to comply with their commands, prompting them to tase him. The taser, however, appeared to have no effect on Ham, who struck a deputy with one of the rods in his hands. The deputy office stated, a deputy then opened fire on Ham and mortally wounded. I would have shot him before he hit me with a rod. Just saying. The suspect was taken to a hospital where he later died. The officer who was bludgeoned in the head was treated at another hospital and released. Meanwhile, cops arrested Phillips, who had been listed along with her son as missing and endangered out of Wichita, Kansas, two weeks ago. It is unknown how or why the two ended up nearly 1,500 miles away in Sebring, Florida. Oh, the stars are crazy Florida stories. It gets worse. I'm glad that the boy was unfazed. The woman's son, who's in the custody of the Department of Children and Family, said he had not bathed or brushed his teeth in at least 10 days and had not been fed for at least 24 hours. According to the nine-year-old, both mom and her boyfriend had regularly used drugs. Uh, 
uh, special K anybody? I'm telling you, that stuff is crazy. And he said Ham had threatened him with a large knife, which he claimed had been used to kill somebody. Officials said, adding that they were working with colleagues in other states to follow up on that statement. Multiple guns and drugs were found in the vehicle Ham and Phillips were traveling in. Phillips was subsequently charged with attempted murder of a law enforcement officer, battering a law enforcement officer, resisting arrest with violence and cruelty toward a child. During her initial court appearance Wednesday, prosecutors told the judge they will also be seeking a felony murder charge against Phillips, claiming that her actions contributed to Ham's death. She was ordered jailed without bond. Let's read the comments. Janet says, Ham had an extensive criminal history that included convictions for armed felonies and drug possession in Arkansas, South Carolina, and Georgia. Florida Sheriff took care of him once and for all. We back the blue in Florida. No, no Yalka says, hope the cop has a speedy recovery. Great aim, though. Does not align with community guidelines, says this story makes me happy. Moving on to our next story. This is crazy. And what I like about it, well, not that I like it, but this story here takes place in the UK, not here. Florida Sheriff took care of him once and for all. This is not Florida. This is South Wales, which very well may be the Florida of the UK. Makes me wonder where Corrine is. Hello, Corrine. If you're watching this later, people are right to be horrified at the misconduct of some Southwell police officers in the past year. PC Lewis Edwards from Brigand was jailed for life for life in October after grooming 200 girls on Snapchat. A former police officer was sentenced to 15 months in prison in August for having sex with a vulnerable victim of crime. Chief Constable Jeremy Vaughn said he would continue to root out misconduct. Edward had 4,500 indecent images of children and admitted 160 counts of child sexual abuse and blackmail after threatening underage girls on social media. He refused to go to Cardiff Crown Court throughout his three-day sentencing hearing joining the force as a police constable in January of 2021, but has since been barred from policing. He only joined in 2021. Wow. He will serve a minimum sentence of hundred of 12 years. I was going to say 120. Mr. Vaughn said Edwards was suspended as soon as his conduct was revealed. The moment we knew about it, we dealt with it. He said there is no other word for it than horrifying and people quite rightly are shocked and stunned by it as am i very well spoken in august former police officer richard helling was jailed for having sex with a vulnerable victim of crime he met on duty he pleaded guilty of four counts of corruption perverting the course of justice and misuse of a police computer the 49 year old from brigham was sentenced to 15 months in prison at the time mr vaughn said helling's behavior was shameful and unforgivable the forces said there are no issues with vetting but there is concern these cases have eroded public trust. Mr. Vaughn said people are rightly horrified with some of the conduct we've seen this year. It's despicable, but I've got rid of them and made sure they won't be in policing again. 
I'm very worried about trust is one of the most precious things that define the relationship between the police and the public. Mr. Vaughn said among the 6,000 employees, there will be people that let him down. The best I can do is find them, get rid of them, and make sure that those who are left are not let down by those who were determined to let them down. I feel that the organization is responding to that, and I'm responding to it. I'm being told of behavior more than ever before, and I'm responding to it. He said, let me continue to the comments. Gia says, why are their sentences so lenient, especially for police? Cartman says, another awful thing we have to think we have to thank social media for. P.S. Hey, parents, if you're not monitoring your kids' social media, then you aren't doing your job. Georgia says, always the same sick culprits. I told you earlier about crazy, and crazy isn't those police officers we just went over, we just talked about in the U.K., those are perverts. Those are sexual degenerates that deserve to be hung up naked in the public square with honey around their genitals and a rope around them too and let the fire ants gnaw them off until dead. They deserve a lot worse than 12 years, but they're not crazy. This woman is crazy, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. I will show you what I'm talking about. Also, Ham was crazy too. That's some crazy stuff. But although... It doesn't mean the child wasn't possessed. Just saying, we don't know. Just being fair. I don't think he was. Check this out. Woman sentences for home, woman sentenced for home invasion and killing dog. It gets crazier. A woman has been sentenced after she broke into a family's house, bit multiple people, and stabbed a dog who later died from his injuries. Woohoo, crazy. I've been following these cases on the website midnightrad.io. I have a story or a report of women the age of this woman here. It's always 26 years old. It's a magical age that women completely lose their marbles i don't know but they go crazy 26 years old and on the website it's called i can't remember the name is anyway on the story as 26 year olds raping men right and it's not people they know the point like and they're attractive all right to a degree they're attractive 26 year old females that breaking the houses and rape men it doesn't matter if it's a big man an old man they don't care they go in there and rape the man and leave that's crazy all right now any lawyer should be able to get her off say hey she is crazy all right and we're not talking these these are petite good looking women that could have had any man but no I'm, i think i'm gonna rape go to a house of a victim i don't know and just rape a dude what crazy this is in the same line as that and i do think there are drugs and alcohol involved in all those cases you can check that out at midnightrad.io and also there's two satanists women and they were in their they're 19 years old who lured this one guy there and they you know tie him up and uh stab him and rape him and um had sex with the dog or something it's crazy stuff you can see that on midnightrad.io here's the story Again, she broke into a house, bit multiple 
people stabbed the dog. In April, 26-year-old Brenna Egg Ingert of Lock Haven was arrested by Pennsylvania. You thought it was going to be Florida, didn't you? By Pennsylvania State Police after she broke into a private residence. Police say she was confronted by the homeowner and a neighbor when she attacked the homeowner's dog with a knife and bit two of the victims. Investigators said immediately after the incident, the victim's dog suffered seizures and died a short time later. Ingert was believed to have been under the influence of controlled substances at the time of the home invasion. I wonder what controlled substances it was because, I mean, like cocaine is not controlled. Uh, Special K, Flacca, whatever the hell they're calling it now, you know, is not controlled. You know, it's something that's controlled and actually prescribed to some people. Here's what she got. She sentenced for criminal trespass, terroristic threats, recklessly endangering another person, simple assault, cruelly to animals, and resisting arrest. I want to see the police body cams of this. Somebody, please send a freedom of information request to that police to the police there in total she was given a 12 is given a 12 year maximum sentence with being eligible for parole after serving three and a half years in state prison comments say eric c says parole should not be a thing if judges gave proper sentences for crimes that parole would never be required all sentences should be decided by the ruling judge not the prison warden and their parole board Julian says, I hope the family shows up for the parole hearings and urges the parole board not to parole her. JCN says 12 years was possible parole at 3.5. See the problem? No one serves the time. Why bother telling anyone is 12? There's another woman that lost her damn mind. Let's go to the chat room. WTF is going on the UK. WTF is going on the USA too. Should be 120 years agreed. Jimmy Savills, yes. That's another story. Perhaps the chickens are coming home to roost. I had to think I had to think about my babies. Woman tells Fox 4 she shot a 14-year-old to protect her family. Here's a story as written by Harriet Ramos. The woman who fatally shot a 14-year-old boy outside her South Fort Worth duplex said she saw him opening a bedroom window and she fired to protect her daughters. And she said she was devastated to learn the teenage teenager's age. I didn't know he was 14 when he was on the other side of that window. All I know is that somebody could come in and hurt me or my kids. Officers were dispatched to Pepper Tree Acres Apartments on the 5200 block of Southcrest Court early in the morning of December 14th. After Wallace reported a prowler, when officers arrived, she told them the person had left the area. Mm. Wallace called again shortly before 3 to report the person had come back and was attempting to enter her home. When they returned to the scene, officers found the teenager on the ground in the front yard with at least one gunshot wound to his torso. Family members identified the 14-year-old as Devin Baker, an 8th grade student at Rosemont Middle School. His family also lives in the Pepper Tree Acres Apartments. Devin died at the scene.
according to the medical examiner's office, he was pronounced dead with multiple gunshot wounds. Wallace told KDFW that she got a gun to protect her and her family after some recent break-ins at her rental home. Online police report shows officers responded to her home for criminal mischief call on November 29th. Officers also responded to a burglary call at Wallace's address on the night of December 12th, a little more than 24 hours before the shooting. Several Nike Air Jordan shoes are listed as the items stolen in the burglary. Interesting she didn't mention that. According to the police reports, no arrests were reported in either case. No one was home when those burglaries took place, but Wallace 25 was alone in the house with her four young daughters on December 14th. When somebody tried to get in, she called 911, but the prowler was gone when officers arrived. A short time later, Wallace was sweeping her living room floor when she heard a window being opened. I stood in the hallway, and I could see him standing at the window, lifting it up. I just shot. The gunfire fatally struck Devin, and Wallace said was outside the bedroom window of her eight-year-old daughter. Horrible. The Star-Telegram asked Fort Worth police if their investigation found evidence to confirm the teen was trying to break into the home, but was told there was no new information in the case. Authorities haven't filed charges against Wallace, and the case is expected to be sent to a grand jury when the investigation is complete. Latoya Landers, Devin's mother, told the Star-Telegram he was a fun-loving boy who had dreams of starting a clothing line with art he'd created. He made good grades in school and was excited about joining the basketball team. She said he just recently had his physical done. He used to tell me, Mama, watch. I'm going to make something of myself. Lander said, I told him, yes, you are, but you're going to stay in school too. Wallace is now being evicted from her duplex for having a gun. She was told she has 30 days to vacate the premises and she's worried the eviction will make it harder to find other housing. I feel like I'm back at square one, she told KDFW. I was there for six and now I don't know what to do. Comments say this. Terry says, Mother did exactly the right thing to protect her own. 14-year-old has nothing to do with the level of violence, lack of morality that we're seeing more and more these days. Adult crimes being committed by what were once considered children now seem to be the norm. Society has to protect itself from these youthful offenders and now hold them responsible with adult consequences. Bravo Company says, some people might say that the homeowner valued her possessions more than this life. I say he valued her possessions more than his life. The sad takeaways is the trauma this mother and her daughters have to go through dealing with this and being evicted. Last comment by Rob Buck says, I'm not a gun fan or a 2A advocate, Second Amendment, but eviction for the grounds of legally owning a gun sounds unconstitutional. Sure, if she was using it in a crime, but not when protecting her family. Florida story. Florida woman punches husband during fight over cigarettes, police say. National News, Wildwood, Florida. A Florida woman found herself behind bars after she allegedly got into a physical fight with her husband over a pack of stogies. Jasmine Cummings was arrested and charged with battery after two of her kids told police about the incident that unfolded in a mobile home neighborhood, mobile home off of SR44 near Williamsburg Lane in Wildwood on Wednesday. 
according to the police affidavit. The 31-year-old woman told police she hit her husband multiple times due to him making statements about her mother. He reportedly took some cigarettes from her, which is what sparked the fight, the affidavit said. She said she told police she punched him in the face with a closed fist several times about the face and the neck. Police said Cummings' knuckles were slightly reddened, but there were no other marks. Her husband, on the other hand, had an extremely red and bloodshot eye from the incident. Comments say Cummings has since been released after posting a 1,000 bond. According to police, Cummings and her husband have been married for 14 years, share three children, and plan on having a merry family Christmas together. Laura S. says, sheesh, and we all know, had he defended himself, he would be the one sitting in jail for assault. As it is, she's gotten off lightly, which is unfair. She'll keep doing this. I'm sure this is a pattern with her. I hope he doesn't take her back. He could do better. Laura sounds like she might be shopping around for a man. Tim says, I bet it's been 14 years of nothing but marital bliss. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I had me a horrible horrible marriage like that not now god no not now mrs midnight is amazing she's a miracle i thank god every morning that i wake up beside her peace says this i have never liked a man should never hit a woman i believe it should be one should not hit another again in florida we got Florida man smothers nephew's meatball sandwich with an eye drop solution because he hated him that day. That's what police are reporting. A Florida man has found himself behind bars after he allegedly smothered his nephew's meatball sandwich with eye drop solution because he hated him that day. James Leach was arrested and charged with poisoning of food or water after the incident that happened in Pinellas Park. Sounds like a trailer park to me. According to an arrest affidavit with the Pinellas Park Police Department, you know, I always thought about this last last Christmas. We had the uh, we had Kinderfeller on here, JT Kinderfeller. And we had a Christmas special talking about life in the federal penitentiary. Penitentiary. But I was wondering if I, we should have. You know, as a producer and a documentarian, I thought about making a, you know, an episode or documentary kind of along the lines of It's a Wonderful Life. One of my favorite movies of all time, especially around this holiday season. I like the colorized version. I'm sentimental. But doing something along the line of that and, I don't know, intervening in a teenager's life or somebody that thinks drugs and alcohol would be a good idea. Taking them... In the spirit of Christmas, Charles Dickens style to the trailer park and to see where that kind of shit leads you in your life. And talking to some of these fine individuals in the trailer park of Florida. And God knows I would go to Florida to do it. And I will show you what being a slack ass does to your life. The 45-year-old was at a business and asked an employee for a bottle of eye drops saying he had dry eyes. According to the affidavit, the employee told police that Leach was a regular customer and was having issues with his nephew, the victim. Leach apparently made it a point to tell the employees that he hated his nephew that day. When the employees handed the bottle of eye drops to Leach, he opened one of the containers of food and poured the solution all over his nephew's meatball sandwich. According to the affidavit, the witness stated that 
could hurt somebody. And Leach responded by saying that it would only cause his nephew to shit himself and puke his brains out. Police obtained surveillance footage that shows Leach allegedly taking the bottle of eye drop solution and pouring it on the sandwich. Apparently, it sounds like he did this right at the counter in front of the clerk. He gets the meatball sandwiches to get the eye drops. My eyes are dry. Squirted it on there. I don't know. Here we go. Officials were able to snag his address using the business computer due to prior purchases and deliveries where Leach and his nephew both lived. The nephew told police that he only ate a small portion of the sandwich and didn't know his uncle had poured eye drop solutions on it. According to the affidavit, he ultimately refused medical treatment. Police said Leach and his nephew have a long history of domestic-related incidents, plus several prior calls for service at their home. Leach was taken into custody, transported to the Pinellas County Jail, where he remains on $50,000 bond. He's since been released on his own recognizance and says that him and his nephew are going to have a Merry Christmas. Comments say this. D says, when consumed orally, tetrahydrosaline passes quickly through the gastrointestinal tract, rapidly reaching the blood and the central nervous systems. Symptoms of an overdose of tetrahydrosaline include drowsiness, slow breath or absence of breathing, slow heartbeat, hypothermia, and possibly even coma. R1E1 says, to take the red out of the marinara. <laughs> Day B says, meatball sandwich sounds pretty good right about now. Toasted mozzarella on top, lots of parmesan sauce, big hoagie roll. Continuing in Florida. Florida man drives himself to jail. After killing newlyweds outside their home, deputies said anger took over Palm Beach County, Florida. A Florida man drove himself to jail and turned himself in after he allegedly shot and killed a newlywed couple outside of their home over the weekend. Deputies said, if you'd like to call in right now, you absolutely can. The phone number is live, 325-261-0892. Hello, I got to know I'm in Florida. Where you want to go? I want to go to the dirtiest, most horrible rowdiest saturday nightness trailer park there is i think we can change the world we can start with the youth and show them what that kind of fast living does to you in the future hello jen this is still td just on my other phone at work all right Thank you guys for continuing with me on this Fruit Loop Friday. I appreciate it as we continue to go through these Florida stories. I spent a week camping in Key West and it was time to go, says Hot Ham Radio. I lived in Florida for a brief time when I was stationed there in the military. It's a crazy place. All right, Florida man drove himself to jail and turned himself in after he allegedly shot and killed a newlywed couple outside of their home. Sonny Josephat was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree premeditated murder with a firearm after the incident. Those aggravated charges are always the worst, I hear. After the incident that unfolded on Saturday. On Saturday morning, Josephat's daughter called 911 to report that her father had shot two people. When deputies arrived, they found a man and woman suffering from multiple gunshot wounds on the sidewalk outside the front door. Deputies established a crime scene and asked anyone inside the home to exit. They conducted interviews with those who lived inside the home whose identi- 
identities were not disclosed in the affidavit. It was brought to light that the man and woman Josephette allegedly shot and killed recently got married, according to the affidavit. It was also revealed that Josephette used to live at the home where the incident happened, but hasn't for over a year. He still shows up from time to time, however, and reportedly has a history of being controlling and asking probative questions about the woman who lives there. Marcy's law is in play, meaning police haven't released the victim's names to the public. The affidavit, although redacted, said that Josephat and the woman inside the home had a history that culminated with an event on October 5th, 2023. On that day, Palm Beach County Court records showed Jehoshaphat's divorce case was closed. The woman also remarried recently, according to records. Jehoshaphat had plans that morning to take his daughter to breakfast. He told deputies in post-Miranda interview, according to the affidavit, when he arrived at the home in question, he said he saw someone installing a surveillance camera by the front door and anger took over him. It remains clear, unclear if the daughter lived at that house where the incident happened. As Jehoshaphat approached the home, he told deputies he put his loaded 17-round pistol magazine into his Glock 17 chambered bullet. At the time, a woman was getting groceries from the trunk of her car and bringing them aside. Jehoshaphat reportedly asked her a question that went unanswered as she continued to walk towards her front door of the groceries. Jehoshaphat said good morning to them and they replied good morning back. That's when he allegedly pointed out a pistol, pointed the pistol and shot them. After they were both shot, he allegedly continued to shoot multiple times. Jehoshaphat told deputies he shot one of them in the upper torso and head while he shot the other multiple times. His daughter witnessed the entire shooting. Josephat then fled the scene and called his pastor, telling him he shot and killed the couple, according to the affidavit. He then drove himself straight to the Palm, Beach, the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office headquarters, entered the main detention center courthouse, and surrendered to deputies. He reportedly told deputies that he had just killed two people. Deputies detained him and secured his car where the murder weapon was found. As for the events leading up to the alleged shooting, Josephat also said the woman was disrespecting him and blocking his phone calls. I'm thinking it's his ex-wife, but we don't really know. According to the affidavit, he also found something about her that filled him with anger. And he wasn't he hasn't been able to sleep. Josephat added he knew what he did was wrong and has never done anything like this, according to the couple. Adding that the couple was not armed during the shooting. Josephat remains at Palm Beach. 1.3 thousand comments say, why should the taxpayers pay for him to live years in the prison system at an extremely high cost? We got to stop this practice. Joe says it appears that he was rejected and the woman moved on with her life. He knew the consequences of his actions had time to reflect and executed two people. Now he must accept his punishment, which should include him suffering the same fate she josh says this she moved on he obviously didn't we all have had those ones that lingered in our minds and feelings beyond the breakup but you have to just let them go and move on if he slash she doesn't love you don't waste your time now because of his feeling and ego he just ruined four lives you know you really got to be mad at somebody to say "Ooh, i'm so mad at you i'm gonna take your life and run mine People just don't think. People don't think. I got a note says, let's talk the 
the Alderson case Markle death. I would like to do that. You can send me information about that at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com, and we'll talk about it. But I don't have that information, and, I, and nobody's calling in. I got to know. I know nothing about that case. I've been sick for like two months. We've all been sick for two months, I swear. We caught something in the chat room. Oh, my God, I've been going on nine years rich family murder for hire. Hmm. I got to know. I've got to know. Email me. Give me the deets. Jen says, I'm so glad y'all are staying the course. I'm so behind this. I was just in the middle of so big stuff, my own self, and I, I'll i do better at supporting you. Thank you, Jen. You're awesome. Thank you for being here. We're going to continue to the end of time. I'm not stopping this. Every second I can dedicate to this, I do. I told you guys I was going through a process with a new job. That process is over. I'm still, I'm still not to what call regular working hours yet but that's going to happen i'm off for five days you guys are my friends we're gonna i'm gonna spend as much time here as i can i got some videos coming up mostly on the idaho 4 case but not only stick with me i will stick with you i've got some amazing things coming up three murders in jail family get arrested and convicted all at one time happy holidays to all of you i'm going to have I'm going to be hosting some Christmas music on the radio station for sure. We're going to be hanging out for the holidays. Captain America. Let's talk about this, guys. I have to. After this, I got three more stories. Captain America nabbed after trying to enter Florida Air Force Base for top secret meeting. We're talking about cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Or is there more to this story? That doesn't look like a military beard. I don't know. Uh yeah, again, uh, this happened in Florida. So an armed Florida man who identified himself as Captain America was indicted Tuesday after he allegedly tried to enter an Air Force base for a top secret quote unquote meeting with the commander, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. His name, real name, Brosh Roche II, was charged with attempted possession of a firearm in a federal facility after the incident that unfolded at mcdill air force base in tampa on november 3rd according to a press release rush tried to enter the air force base but was stopped by security personnel at the gate according to a press release 33 year old from tampa was asked to show his id but he allegedly refused and instead identified himself as quote captain america unquote he then demanded entry into the U.S. Air Force Base, stating that he had a meeting with a general of the U.S. Special Operations Command to provide top-secret information, officials said. When he was denied entry, he allegedly became argumentative and threatened to come back every day to look for the officers denying him entry. The police, rele- the press release said his suspicious behavior landed him in custody as security searched his car, which led to the discovery of an AR-15 rifle in the truck, Five magazines loaded with 125 rounds of ammo, according to the U.S. and District Attorney's Office. If convicted, he faces a maximum penalty of one year in federal prison. The U.S. government also plans to take possession of the firearm and ammunition used in the incident. The case investigated by the U.S. Air Force Security forces, the Tampa Police Department, and the FBI will be prosecuted by Assistant U.S. 
attorney Ross Roberts. Come and saw her. Dennis says, security personnel in military bases are not rented cops. They are thoroughly professional and highly trained. Regular cops and sheriff's deputies aren't nearly as well trained. Dennis, you're full of shit and don't know what you're talking about. Mark says this. He allegedly became argumentative and threatened to come back every day to look for the officers denying him entry. He just said, dude, I can do this all day. That might have sold it for the guards. That was Mark Dong says, I thought he would like enter federal prison. Huh? I will continue to follow this crazy case. Check out this one though. Florida college student tampers with sprinkler system breaks into pump room through the vent. The comments are here in the chat room. Everybody saying happy holiday. Everybody attempted possession i thought the same thing just amber thank you for joining us attempted possession of an ar-15 he had it are they afraid to say he had it what does attempted mean really the alderson case all right a gulf coast university student which, I mean, what the hell's wrong with this kid? He's got, he looks like he's on something, but I don't want to be mean because people are skinny and white people have dreads, but I don't know. Looks like someone punched him in the mouth. A Florida Gulf Coast, Coast University student was nabbed after he allegedly tampered with a building sprinkler system and broke into a pump room by crawling through a vent. Nathan Eagleston, 28, was arrested and charged with damaging property burglary of an unoccupied structure and interfering with firefighter equipment after the incident that unfolded on December 13th. A witness told the officers that she saw a man later identified as Eagleston do something to the fire sprinkler system in the community center building. The fire alarm went off and then she said she saw him allegedly using several bricks to break into a vent on the bottom of the floor before crawling in and getting access, access to the pump room this is a student housing building reserved for upper-class students, which he should be at 28. Officers responded to the building and ordered Eagleston to exit the pump room, but no response was received. An officer used a flashlight through a broken vent on the bottom of the door, which revealed Eagleston in the corner of the room. He was ordered once again to exit the room, and he finally complied. He was placed in handcuffs pending an investigation. He agreed to speak with officers post-Miranda, and he admitted to pulling the first flush system and crawling to the pump room space. When asked why he would be in an interview room with detectives, he responded, I effed up and hit the first flush system. I had no right. I thought I would do it before or after I graduate. He also told officers that one of the maintenance workers showed him how to use the lever. If you turn it halfway down, it blasts like five gallons of water a second, dude. And if you turn it all the way down, it blasts like 15 gallons a second, and it floods out like, it floods out West Lake, he told officers. He added that he freaked out because the fire alarm went off and just laid there when he heard officers yelling at him to come out. During his arrest, he also reportedly told officers that he's a maintenance assistant, and then my friend is a maintenance assistant. Eagleson has since been released from custody after posting $10,750.33 bond. Comments, 1.3 thousand. 
say this. Me says, I realized how cold it sounds when you discuss mental illness and incarceration, but it is unbelievable the amount of truly mentally ill people who are out on the streets. It may be time to open more inpatient hospitals for mandated long-term care rather than sending people to jail. Dot, dash, 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 says, I'm not a mathematician. You're also not a very good speller, as he put a mathematician. But I'd put that lever three-fourths of the way down for a nice round, even 10 gallons per second blast flood rate. Stolfel says, I break into pump rooms and turning on sprinkler system is getting out of hand. When will there be tougher penalties for people who do this? You know the world is coming to an end when a person can't have a pump room without getting it broken into and turned on. Naked man found atop headless mom in Jersey Shore apartment. As reported by the New York Daily Times, a 46-year-old naked man covered in blood was reportedly on top of the body of his decapitated mother when police arrived at the man's Jersey Shore apartment building. Jeffrey D. Surgeon called 911 on Friday afternoon confessing he just killed his mother. According to NewJersey.com, police arrived to find 74-year-old Alexandria M. Surgeant dead in her son's hallway. The victim's severed head was found a few feet away from where the surgeons were lying. Security video shows the head, the head being tossed out of the alleged killer's Ocean City, New Jersey unit and into the hall of his Ocean City housing authority building. Surgeon wearing no clothing is then seen dragging his mom's corpse to the hallway too. The suspect reportedly told police he had mental health issues and screamed he was sorry as he was taken into custody. Our surgeon also saying, Jesus loves me, this I know at the time. The Ocean County Prosecutor's Office confirmed surgeon has a history of psychological problems. He reportedly said he suffered from a bipolar disorder. When I was growing up, we use the term asshole. Surgeon was taken to a medical facility and charged with first-degree murder and weapon offenses. Court records indicate a knife was used to separate the victim's head from her body. He just played with the kids, and he was really nice. A neighbor of surgeons told ABC in Philadelphia, I don't know what to say. It was weird. Ocean City is a popular seaside destination located 130 miles south of New York City. Comments say this. Bob... They need to reopen mental institutions and use them. Part of the problem is that there are so many individuals that need to be isolated from the public, many of which are drug-induced, that it would be costly to do so. If you weigh the cost of reinstating mental institutions versus the damages to the decent members of society, it is well worth it. Julian says this. We have to bring back the state hospital systems to deal with these people. These are those that will not be successful in society, and we need to have services for them for protection from them. This is in New York, and uh, I hear that a lot of those mental health institutions in New York were closed because of Geraldo Rivera. Weird, odd, look it up. Geraldo, this is what made him famous. Geraldo Rivera, New York Mental Institution. Look it up, there's a documentary. Gott says... Oh, by the way, there's state mental health hospitals or 
that are open in other states like we have one in texas elderly parents who have the responsibility for their adult mentally incapacitated children need assistance they simply can't care for them alone housing needs to be built for these people where they are looked after and made to take their medication if they are unable to function in some sort of group living situation or they refuse to comply with their medication they need to be put in institutions again in a civilized society we must take care of those that can't help themselves and we must also protect society from them there's a lot of millennial people who don't cut their mother's head off last story actually that was the last story All right. Geraldo's intentions were good, I think, but closed everything down. I kind of feel like they would be better now if there were state hospitals. There's state hospitals here in Texas, guys. Things are still crazy. Ruby Frankie. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Hot Ham, for reminding me about Ruby Frankie. Guys, if you don't know, Hot Ham on her show on YouTube covers Ruby Frankie. She does it very well. I don't know if she's done a show about it lately. No, I didn't. I've missed it. I missed it. I'm going to talk about it now. Thank you for reminding me. All right. I got wrapped up in Turtle Boy. We're going to talk about the Ruby real quick. All right. I'm going to talk about this now. Ta ta ta. Oh my gosh. This is like 56K right here. What's going on with my internet? Ta-ta-ta. 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 I'm trying to bring it up, guys. Yeah, I'd call in, but I have no voice. Man, we all caught the same thing from the chat room. Ta ta ta. Now waiting for it to come up. I don't think we have them in Oklahoma anymore, and I'm totes down from the Ruby Frank confession. I haven't had a chance to see any of it. I'll slide over after this ham. Ta ta ta. I don't think we're going to be going over it. What's going on, people? Ta-ta-ta, 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 ta-ta-ta. All right, I'm trying to pull this over up one more time. What is going on? All right, I'm going to have to get it from another source. This stinks. All right, so what I'm looking for, what Ruby Frank did to her children... I'll look for it. Okay, here we go. Ta ta ta. Oh, my internet's crapping out. Come on. Thank goodness. I'm going to have to read this myself on NPR, really. All right, here we are. 
Mm. <clears throat> a Utah mother of six who gave parenting advice on YouTube pleaded guilty Monday to child abuse charges. Again, when you plead guilty to have a reduced sentence, you've got to give the deets, guys. You've got to spill the tea. You've got to tell them everything. You have to have evidence backing it up, which is why I'm so interesting. interested in Brian Kohlberger in the last minutes before his trial, manning up and confessing to what he may or may not have done. I'm going to go ahead and get to the meat of this as I can't straight pull up what she said. Um... All right. Ruby Frank stood shackled in gray and white gel clothing as she closed her eyes and took a deep breath before pleading guilty to each of her first three charges. On the fourth, she fought back some emotion before saying, with my deepest regret and sorrow for my family and my children, guilty. Judge John J. Watson, Walton, sorry, scheduled sentencing for February 20th after accepting the plea agreement, which described new details of the abuse the children endured including the claims that they were possessed. Under the plea agreement, Frankie agreed to serve a prison term and the sentences will run consecutively. Sentencing would be up to the judge. Frank pleaded not guilty to two other counts, court records said, and was returned to custody after the hearing. Under Utah law, second-degree aggravated child abuse can be charged if that person knowingly or intentionally inflicts serious physical injury to a child or causes or permits another to inflict serious physical injury to their child. Each charge carries a sentence of 1 to 15 years in prison. Windward Law said in a statement Friday that the abuse occurred while Frankie was influenced by a relationship counselor who led her to a distorted sense of morality don't blame other people man up woman up no one ever does if you do if you mess up i did it but no ruby frank is a devoted mother and is also a woman committed to constant improvement when we're lost said in a statement frankie initially believed that her co-defendant jody hildebrandt had the insight to offer a path to continual improvement but said that Hildebrandt took advantage of this quest and twisted it into something heinous. I want to see evidence of that in the plea agreement. Oh, so she turned on Hildebrandt. Ah, okay. I can't wait to see what Hildebrandt gets charged. She was charged with six felony counts of child abuse. Uh, Ruby Frankie was. In the plea agreement, Frankie admits that she tortured her son from May 22nd through August 30th by forcing him into hours of physical tasks and this is in the Utah desert, everybody. Summer work outdoors without adequate water and repeated and serious sunburns that blistered. That is second degree, ladies and gentlemen. Third degree is charred, charred bone. He was denied food or given very plain meals, and he was isolated from other people without access to books, notebooks, or electronics. Which, again, if you are a murderer, sentenced, sentenced to murder in prison, you still have access to those things. After he tried to run away in July, his hands and feet were regularly bound, sometimes with handcuffs. At times, ropes were used to tie together handcuffs that secured his hands and feet as he lay on his stomach, lifting his arms and legs off the ground and injuring his wrists and ankles. 
That's what the plea agreement said. Frankie also admitted to kicking her son while wearing boots, holding his head underwater and smothering his mouth and nose with her hands, according to the plea agreement. This is horrible. He was also told that everything that was being done to him were acts of love. Which, for those of you religiously inclined, is the unpardonable sin. Check that one out. Saying that hate is love. That is called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. According to the Bible, the Spirit of God is love. God is love. So, saying that hateful acts is love is the unpardonable sin, which is very odd for such a religious woman to do. Frankie acknowledged similarly abusing her nine-year-old daughter by forcing her to work outside, run on dirt roads barefoot, and go without food and water. She was also repeatedly told she was evil and possessed. The punishments were necessary for her to be obedient and repent. And these things were being done to her in order to help her. The plea agreement said the girl was convinced what her mother said was true. That's horrible. As if the physical abuse wasn't enough. As a man who loves, loves his family and his friends. And I hear my, my son, the main mod behind me in the bathroom yelling something. Uh, to put so much work in your family and dedication to things and to see people do hateful things and call it love is... You know, it's sickening when I go through these stories. Frankie and Hildebrandt were arrested on August 30th after Frankie's 12-year-old son escaped from Hildebrandt's house on the southern Utah city of Ivins and asked a neighbor to call police, according to the 911 call. The boy is emaciated and had duct tape around his ankles and wrists but wouldn't say why. I think he's been, he's been detained, the caller said. The boy and Frankie's daughter, who had also found at Hildebrand's house, were taken to the hospital. Eventually, Frankie's four youngest children were taken into custody. If you don't know, her husband has filed for divorce, which would kind of have to do. Um, here's something, an interesting story in the sidelines. A new Illinois, new Illinois law wants to ensure child influencers get a share of their earnings. Interesting. During Frankie's incarceration, she has actively engaged in introspection that has allowed her to reset her moral compass and understand the full weight of her actions. She's probably getting her butt beat by the other female inmates. Miss Frankie is committed to taking responsibility for the part she played in the events leading up to incarceration. The boy told investigators, yet she's still going to throw Jody under the bus, which is no doubt just as guilty, but isn't the perpetrator because Miss Frankie was still doing crap like this way before Hildebrand was in the picture. The boy told investigators that Jody put the ropes on his ankles and wrists and that they were, they used cayenne pepper and honey to dress the wounds caused by the ropes. Hildebrand had agreed not to see patients until the allegations are addressed by state licensing officials. Oh, so she got out. Wow. Hmm. Her next court hearing is set for December 22nd, according to the court records. Her attorney, Douglas Terry, did not immediately return a phone call. The Frankie family was criticized online for his eight passengers video blog showing parents uh, 
decisions, including banning, banning their oldest son from his bedroom for seven months for pranking his younger brother. In other videos, Ruby Frankie told uh, talked about refusing to take lunch to a kindergartner who forgot it at home and threatened to cut the head off a young girl's stuffed toy to punish her for cutting things in the house. In one video, Frankie said she and her husband told their two youngest children that they would not be getting presents from Santa Claus. One yearbook said been selfish and weren't responding to the punishment like being kept home from school and cleaning the floorboards. The YouTube channel, which started in 2015, ended after seven years. Frankie's husband, Kevin Frankie, filed for divorce. Hot Ham says, Ruby's not getting let off the hook. I guarantee she will get plenty of time. I can't wait to know how much. This is co-pilot torture. This is like Chandra Van Ark. Hot Ham says, make it. Makes sense for him to fall for Doris, especially if they are actually working together to keep the kids with Kevin because she will be in prison for a while. I got a note says his divorce is to cover his ass, in my honest opinion. That happens a lot, doesn't it? Jen says that's the issue with religion versus faith in God and actually practicing what the Bible says. Couldn't agree more, Jen. Doesn't it say treat others as you would like to be treated? Well, something tells me that Ruby Frankie has a lot to pay for, both in prison and the afterlife. And then you end it by blaming somebody else, but you're righteous. Hotham says, yeah, I got to know totally that too. He's just listening to whatever his lawyer tells him to do right now because they're probably all deprogramming from Moms of Truth. Again, if you want to see more coverage of this, I do suggest you look Hotham Radio up on YouTube. She has part, she had 10, 10 hour discussions of this and she talks about it in a most entertaining manner. I got to know says we can, what can we as a society do about preparing settings for these individuals? Hmm. Happens too much. Hotham says, yeah, I don't know how to deal with these fun, fun, fundies. Ah, they'll be taken care of in prison. I think which is where they need to go. You guys are awesome. Thank you very much for tuning in. This has been another edition of Midnight Radio. Thank you for listening or watching. Don't forget our radio station for your holiday music needs. I'm going to be doing a holiday special soon. Live on the radio, I will let you know. If you follow my ex, if you follow me on youtube i'm gonna make an announcement when i can do that as soon as i can here within the next few days i'm gonna do that also got some new videos about some cases and some tours and of related to idaho four so that's coming up i'd like to thank our executive producer who's not here tonight lisa lady lisa and april gay I would also like to thank all the Fruit Loops that aren't here tonight because I guess they don't get alert from YouTube. That's okay. If you're joining me in the replay, say what, what? Give me a comment down there. It's good to support somebody in a positive way. We're going to continue to do what we do. Again, the radio station, if you weren't here at the beginning of this, is continuing through this new year. Help us if you're interested in that. You can check it out at iHeartRadio slash Midnight Radio. 
You can also check it out on the Google Play Store. Look at the, get the Midnight Radio app where you can join in the community and get all kinds of messages when your favorite DJ goes live. Thank you. God bless. Until next time, all my best. Thank you, I Gotta Know. You're awesome. Thank you very much. That's going to the radio license to keep us going. Thank you very much. You guys have a good night.